Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Chris Voles. Chris has over two decades worth of experience in different verticals, and he prides himself on his empathy, attention to detail, and innovative ideas. Traits I'm sure all of us could use in greater concentration. So hi, Chris. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, Kelly. Thank you. So in my intro, I basically explained that you're already good at everything. Um, so we're, we're starting from a really good place. But what is it that you would like people to know more specifically about your professional journey? I think, um, you know, recognizing culture as it pertains to industry, geography, individuals, businesses is something you develop after many years. Uh, it's an important dynamic to create. Um, you, you know, you want to recognize who the win-win people are, right? If, if we have a, a client that wins, we win. And, and that's everybody's goal. Yes. So I focus on that. Um, and, and for us, you know, we win and I win by listening uh, putting myself in my client's shoes and and being open to feedback. Uh, but most importantly, not everything is going to go perfect. We're going to have some some failures, right? So it's very important to embrace this failure and learn from it. Uh, and And those are some of the most valuable lessons that you're going to get. Well, and it's interesting that you talk about culture and where it intersects with industry and geography, because that actually transitions us over to really where we're going to focus the bulk of our time today. You regularly work with companies that are sourcing from China. So I want to start sort of big picture and just get an idea of what it's like doing that given today's geopolitical climate. It's important to be aware of the current political tensions. I, I, I don't think there's any way around that. But you also have to recognize that despite this, companies continue to source from China. Um, you know, geopolitics tends to be about nations and sourcing tends to be about business. And still to this day, you know, China is the leading exporter to the U.S. by a country mile. And there's a reason for that. You can get uh, you can get your goods at the best cost and at the best quality as long as you have the best oversight uh, and you're able to manage the program correctly. Now, we're, we sort of started talking about China a little bit, but people do, in fact, source from companies, from suppliers all over the world. If we broaden our approach to this, and I, if I were to ask if there's one thing you would recommend based on your experience that companies really focus on or invest in when they're sourcing internationally, what would that be? Well, I think, you know, focus in China is always going to be business related, right? It's going to be related to cost, quality, and delivery. Uh, most Chinese suppliers, I think many 
people don't recognize are, are private enterprises. They're not state-owned enterprises. They're owned by people who are trying to make a living by delivering value to their customers the same that any American business would do. So as long as it continues to make economic sense to source from China, China will continue to be the main source. Um, in terms of one thing, I, I think communication is critical. Mm. Um, you, you have to know, are you talking to the right people, right? Do you trust the people that you're talking to? Um, you know, is, is and, and a lot of times in, in China, there's kind of a translation effect. You have to make sure the translation sure. is correct, um, you know, and, and most importantly, you know, are your business interests aligned, you know, with your supplier in China? Do you have support on the ground? Um, and I mentioned this before, you have to be aware of the cultural differences because they, they always pop up and, and uh, that's going to avoid any issues down the road. Um, but make sure that your vision and your purpose is understood. You know, and, and, and we at China Performance Group, we have a way to do this with our products. We, we create what's called a PSS and an ISS. The PSS is the product specification sheet, and the ISS is the inspection, inspection specification sheet. And these uh, are, are detailed drawings and of uh, technical drawings of the product that you're trying to source, right? So this, is, this leaves no room for error. Um, and, and then the ISS focuses on the main aspects that you want to inspect, you know, because you have to do quality assurance to make sure that you're getting the right goods. I think one of the challenges with China is communication in real time, right? They're, right yes. now, everybody in China is sleeping. Uh, communication in real time really helps with success. You know, so are you communicating during business hours in China? Uh, if not, you, do you have somebody working on your behalf? And if you are, you know, is that a good use of your time? Does it make sense for you to be up at 11, 12 o'clock at night talking to your suppliers in China, as opposed to having, you know, if you're a large entity, having an employee do this for you on the ground in China, or having a resource that has the right experience do this for you. Uh, communication becomes even more important during uncertain times, you know, maintaining open lines of communication, you know, look at COVID that just happened, right? Absolutely. Everything into, in, into a tailspin, you know, managing open lines of communication can help address challenges, understand impacts and work collaboratively help you to work collaboratively with your partner to find solutions. Um, I, I think that, you know, these, these are the main elements that you have to be aware of. You know, and it's interesting because as you talk about some of those different elements, I think what I appreciate is that you're not saying, okay, it's all soft skills, right? Communicate, uh, understand culture, build trust, and then assume that that's going to take care of the details. But you're also not saying document everything, right? You talked about those two different, the product spec sheet and the inspection spec sheet, you know, put down all the details. And because everything is so clear, it will solve for communication. It will build trust um, and, and it will work around and through culture. What you're really saying is that you have to do both. You have to 
communicate. You have to invest in relationships. You have to think about logistical things like what time is it there or what is the holiday schedule that we might not naturally be aware of, as well as doing sort of the the traditional foundational procurement due diligence around specs and documentation and and service level things. Uh, I I think, you know, there's that pendulum that kind of swings. And for a long time, procurement was very heavy on the specs and, and terms and all that. And now I think in some cases, it's maybe swung a little bit too far towards the, the soft skills. It's almost like it needs to hang either perfectly in the middle or in a very natural cadence swing back and forth all the time. Because you need all of those pieces in order to make any buyer-supplier relationship successful, regardless of where the two companies sit. That's right. Now, one of the other things, maybe building on that, you talked about culture and communication, both incredibly important. How do you start by investing in communication? Because I think that's a piece that can be easier to control. You know, how do you listen? How do you say and share things? And over time, leverage that up into trust. Because communication, even if it's clear and effective, does not necessarily breed trust, but I have a feeling it can if we approach it in the right way. What are your thoughts about that journey from, you know, communication through relationship to trust? I think, you know, overcoming potential language and culture issues with the vendors is important, you know, in this case with China, um, and, and can translate into effective sourcing. You know, investing in communication suggests that maybe and at the outset, you don't have good communication. Uh, for for us, you know, good communication. We use the 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 word wrapped, right? Reliable, accurate, predictable, and timely. The most important aspect of communication is always going to be trust. Um, so so you need to trust who you're sourcing from, um, or and in addition to trust the individual. Uh, that that works for you or the team that's working on your behalf. And also it's important, and this is often overlooked, is to make sure that the vendor trusts you. Mm. So you, you lean on each other's experience. You know, you want to uh, evaluate the cost of outsourcing talent versus having it in-house. You want to work with a partner or individual with a proven track record if you don't have full oversight of the program. Uh, before you invest, make sure that you're clear about your goals and expectations, you know, analyze the cost of the investment versus the potential savings and, um, you know, get as much information as you can. Right. So if you, if you have a potential partner or, or an existing partner, you need to understand how they best communicate with the technology we have today. Right. There's, there's a million different ways to communicate. You know, the traditional one is email, but more and more people are going to video meetings like mm. we've seen since Zoom and 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 there's a new app every day it seems like to communicate <laughs> internationally and 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 they're they're very effective but you you have to work with each other and and figure out what what the best tool is for you um, building a good supplier relationship you, you want to let them know you expect cost, cost, quality, and delivery performance, and that you're going to keep your options open, right? So you, you, want, to keep, you want to keep your suppliers honest. So 
we always encourage two-way feedback, right? So we, we give feedback, you know, our clients will give feedback to the suppliers and the suppliers are going to give feedback to our clients for things that they may not be aware of. So this kind of collaboration, you have to be open to it because it's going to make for the most effective relationship. Lastly, you know, and I always go back to COVID, but after COVID was over, I remember going to a trade show and, um, you know, everybody was so excited to kind of be back in the open, right? And have those oh, absolutely. face interactions. And and there there really is no substitute for that. You know, we encourage, especially now that China has opened its borders again, we, we encourage all our clients to go visit the suppliers face-to-face and, and strengthen and build those relationships. Now, you had talked about the relationships and the communication and everything that feeds into that being two-way. But I, I really like that you called out about trust being two-way. It's not just, do I, as procurement or as a representative of my company, trust my supplier? It's, do they trust me? And that can be a challenge because, I mean, you certainly can ask, do you trust me? But that's not typically a effective way to get an, an accurate answer, to get a real assessment of, of how the other party feels. Are there things that you might have learned to recognize over time or, or little signs that you would look for to read either as an indication, you know, this is great. We have a terrific relationship. I get the sense that they trust us. Or on the other side, maybe warning signs, something that you might notice and it would make you think, hmm, okay, I'm not seeing sort of benefit of the doubt going on here. There might be something that I I need to address. Any signs pro or con around what the other party's trust level is? Well, I think trust is is built over time, right? There's You're never going to meet somebody and just trust them right at the outset. Oh, you shouldn't probably. <laughs> yeah, of course not. And, and I think, you know, going back to communication, you can always kind of sense from communication inherently when trust is built, you know, is there a rapport there? Is, you know, are you, are you talking about each other's personal lives and kids and, and challenges that you may have had and something that came up in a conversation previously? Um, and, and are you comfortable, right? Do, do you feel like you've connected? You know, a lot of this stuff is inherent, but mm-hmm. mostly it, it, this is built over time and success, right? So if you, if you have a partner that you've, had many successful orders with that you have had very few issues with, obviously you're going to trust them more and they're going to trust you more, you know, and these are valuable relationships to our partners as well. Absolutely. Now, one of the last questions that I want to get your perspective on, you know, increasingly procurement and supply chain teams are looking at everything that they do and asking themselves, sort of what are the additional value added opportunities here? And one of those primary categories of opportunity tends to be sustainability. So going back to where we started and and looking at where you focus in sourcing in China, can companies use that as an opportunity to advance ongoing sustainability initiatives that they have in-house? Yeah, you know, this is is something that is becoming more and more prevalent. AESG is is a little bit controversial, but it's definitely here to say. 
um, understanding sustainability is not just ecological, but it's also about governance and behavior. So, you know, I think it's important to recognize the challenges, right? Sourcing from far away will always mean transport costs and greater emissions. Sea freight is one of the lower transport costs, and there's also a strong movement now to lower sea freight emissions. Uh, ESG requirements are also a form of cultural transfer. If you want to sell to me, you need to behave like me, right? And as the larger companies move towards this and, and you know, they, they kind of, they put it in their, in their policies, the suppliers are going to have no choice but to comply. And that is good for everybody because as they comply with these larger companies who have all this leverage, that helps out the smaller folks, you know, who, who are going to get more, more quality and more sustainability from their, from their products. Uh, monitoring is becoming very important, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's easy to say this is what we do and, and this is where we do it. And, but you, you need to have, you know, with the right documentation, the right monitoring, so that if there is oversight, you can you can point to you know whatever document it is or or whatever whatever kind of outline that you developed. You know, because it's going to be different for everybody, right? Each of our clients has their own different templates that we have to work with the suppliers to ensure compliance on. Uh, so, promoting transparency transparency, excuse me, and traceability in your supply chain by encouraging suppliers to provide detailed information about the origin and production process will identify uh, potential environmental and social risks. And I think it's critical you mentioned that G right from the outset. You know, I, I think this all the time when we talk about whether it's ESG as a whole or we're talking about one of the initiatives that's covered by that umbrella nobody ever thinks about poor G, right? But it's the G is really where the rubber hits the road because the G proves you invested in whatever the E and whatever the S means for your organization, your industry, the set of regulations that you're facing. It's, it's more than just saying, well, yes, of course, we're going to track it. But it's about having reports and documentation that not only set the program up for success going forward and allow it to learn from its experiences, but prove outwardly that those investments were made. And that's, that's to me where a lot of the ROI comes from. So I'm glad that you specifically called out the G. I think as ESG initiatives as a whole continue to stay around and potentially even become more important and more visible, I think more of the attention is really going to shift to the frameworks and systems that support the G. And I think a lot of that is ultimately going to end up falling to procurement in, in order to make sure it happens. Yeah. I think also in terms of the G, right. It, it, I go back to, you know, do, do you have support in the area where you're sourcing from? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because if you're overseas and, and you're, and you're, you know, asking your supplier these questions and asking them to fill out these forms, that's great. But, you know, there's an added component when you have a team on the ground there that can go and, and check up on some of these things. And, and so uh, it's not to say that that suppliers are, are going to try and skirt some of these initiatives. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, you know, having the, the coverage on the ground definitely helps to create a, a stronger governance system. Absolutely. 
Now, Chris, as we start to to wind down here, I want to take you through a sourcing hero tradition. So each of our guests does this the first time they join the show. I'm going to give you two questions. You can answer which either one you like, and there are no wrong answers. So your options are, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or if you prefer to think a little bit more broadly, the other option is, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? I think I'll tackle the sourcing hero question. So for me, I guess a sourcing hero uh, is a buyer that makes the impossible possible, right? They, we, we find suppliers on the other side of the world. Uh, we get low first cost. We stay in control of quality. That's very important, despite the distance. Uh, we get on-time delivery. You know, we talk about uh, uh, the, the, our three essentials, right? Uh, price, quality, and delivery. Uh, and we confirm the products are made in a sustainable way, like we just discussed. I think a sourcing hero recognizes the challenge, right? Sourcing overseas is very complex. There's a lot of layers to it. But at the same time, they're not afraid of it. You, you know what to expect at each step of the way, and you know how to conquer any challenges. So, you know, I guess overall, a sourcing hero is going to deliver from the inception of the plan through, its, through, the, through the completion. Well, it's funny. We're recording this on a Friday, and now I'm a little sorry it's a Friday, Chris, because when you say making the impossible possible... It just makes me want to like go out and attack the week. I'm going to have to listen back to this audio on on Monday when I have more runway ahead of me and and can put that into practice because I completely agree with you. It's not about being in denial of the challenge. It's about seeing the challenge for what it is and knocking the assignment out of the park anyway. Um, now, if people have listened into this conversation and have appreciated, you know, you sharing your experience and your perspectives, what is the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, probably the easiest way is to reach out to me through LinkedIn, and then I can connect folks, or or just go right to our website and use the get in touch button. And then, but if you reached out to me through LinkedIn, I can connect folks with the right people on our team. Uh, to help advance their initiatives. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.